Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. When we left the Apostle Paul in our last session, he was giving a defense before the Jews from the steps of the jail that he was being led up to by the, the Roman Tribune. And he was presenting his testimony to the Jews of how he came to faith in Christ And he finished up his message by telling them that Christ had specially appointed him to take the good news to the Gentiles. And that's where we finished up in verse 21 of Acts chapter 22 last time. Now we're going to read chapter 22 and verse 22 all the way down through chapter 23 and verse 11 today and see what transpires next. So Acts chapter 22 and verse 22. Now up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, Yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, But I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately, and the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet, and he brought Paul down and set him before them. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. 
Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply, We find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Let's pray as we begin. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for these verses. We thank you for the testimony of the Apostle Paul, who shared the gospel, wasn't afraid of the uh, retribution that would come from the Jews, and as a result of that, you were able to use him as a powerful witness for the Lord Jesus in these situations. We pray that this would give us boldness as well to share uh, the good news about Christ with those in whom we come to contact. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, up to this point, Paul had been speaking to the Jews about his testimony for Christ, but when he started to mention Gentiles, the crowds of the Jews uh, went crazy. They lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth! He should not be allowed to live! Why such a strong response to Paul here at this point? Well, remember, the Gentiles were considered outsiders and uncircumcised barbarians by the Jews, not worthy to be in possession of the oracles of God. For Paul to tell the Jews that he had been sent to Gentiles would have greatly contradicted their understanding of God's purpose for uh, their entire worldview and their purpose for uh, themselves as Jews. So the Jews were shouting, they were throwing off their cloaks, they were flinging dust into the air in verse 23 and causing so much commotion that the Roman commander called for Paul to be brought into the barracks and flogged to find out why the Jews were so upset with him in verse 24. But when they had stretched him out to whip him, and here they're perhaps having him uh, put his arms around a column or a pillar to be flogged, Paul says to them, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who's a Roman citizen and uncondemned? Now, if you remember back to his second missionary journey, when Paul was at the city of Philippi, uh, a similar thing had happened. He had been beaten and thrown into prison without being sentenced. Uh, at Philippi, Paul later tells the administrators there, the magistrates, that they had uh, acted wrongly by sentencing him uh, or, or throwing him into prison before uh, really accusing him and trying him. So Paul had certain rights as a Roman citizen, and one of those rights was not to be beaten unless he was condemned or sentenced. The centurion who is in charge of flogging Paul uh, sees this as a serious accusation. He goes to the Roman tribune and asks him what he was about to do to a man who was clearly a Roman citizen. The centurion did not want either himself or his commander to bear the punishment that would befall him if it was found out that he had beaten a Roman citizen. 
The tribune then returns to Paul to question him about his citizenship. He asks him if he is a Roman citizen. Paul responds affirmatively in verse 27. The tribune then says that he he purchased his Roman citizenship for a large sum of money. But Paul tells him that he was born a citizen, which put him in an even higher standing than the Roman tribune was. In verse 28, the result was that the guards who were about to flog and examine Paul immediately stepped away from him. And the tribune himself was also afraid because he had already put Paul in chains. Even binding Paul without cause could potentially have resulted in punishment for the Roman tribune. The next day, the tribune wanted to know the real reason that the Jews were accusing Paul. And so he assembled the chief priests and the Jewish ruling council, which was called the Sanhedrin. And he brought Paul down and set, them, set him before them. Now this probably reveals that Paul was being kept up in the Antonian fortress, the towers that were at the uh, northwestern side of the Temple Mount complex. And then he would have been brought down to meet with the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin typically met at the southern end of the Temple Mount complex. Paul addresses the Sanhedrin as we begin chapter 23. He begins by saying that he had lived his life in good conscience up until that day. He wanted them to know that he considered that he had done nothing wrong and I think here he particularly has in mind the law of Moses and how he had not violated it in his actions for which they had arrested him in verse 1. Now Ananias, who is the chief priest, commands his lackeys who are standing there to strike Paul on the mouth. Obviously they considered him to be lying. Paul responds by turning to Ananias and saying that God was going to strike him and calls him a whitewashed wall. Uh, this is uh, a way of, of saying that Ananias is a hypocrite who looked good on the outside but was evil on the inside. He was judging Paul according to the law and yet violating the law by having Paul struck, as Paul says in verse 3. Well, those who are standing there asked Paul if he would revile God's high priest. Of course, they consider Ananias as the high priest, the, the head of their uh, religious leadership. And so Paul responds to this, I think very humbly here, saying that he was not aware that this man was the high priest, and then saying, it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now, some people would say, well, Paul already knew who Ananias was, and so uh, perhaps he's saying this sarcastically here. But I wonder if perhaps the high priest had not come down in his priestly garb. Perhaps he was just dressed uh, normally at this point. Maybe Paul didn't initially recognize him. It had been a number of years since he had been uh, back to Jerusalem and in the temple courts. I think it's very likely that he just simply didn't recognize the individual. 
He did, however, recognize that all authority is granted by God, and even Ananias here had a measure of authority from the Lord. Although he was having Paul stricken wrongly, Paul still wanted to be respectful of the authority of this individual. As he uh, said in, in the book of Romans, uh, all authority is given from God. When Paul saw that some of these uh, council members were Sadducees and some were Pharisees, he sets the council ablaze with his words. And he says, I'm a Pharisee, the son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. Now, Paul knew that these words would get them fighting amongst themselves and divert attention away from himself. The words started an argument between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and, and the assembly was divided here. Luke explains for us that the Sadducees, as Jews, did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. They didn't believe in an angelic world. They didn't believe in spirits. But the Pharisees believed in all of those things. The, the Sadducees put prime attention to the five books of uh, Moses, and the, the Pharisees uh, attended to the entirety of the law and the prophets and the writings. So uh, some of the Pharisees come to Paul's aid and said that they found nothing wrong in him, and maybe even an angel or a spirit spoke to him. Now, of course, the Sadducees would say, that's ridiculous. They, they likely did this less out of love for Paul uh, or even appreciation of what he had to say and more out of spite for the Sadducees. You've got these two parties, the Pharisees and Sadducees, butting heads uh, here. And so some of the Pharisees are, are probably aligning with Paul more in order to spite the Sadducees. Well, again, the dispute becomes violent and the tribune, uh, as before, fears for Paul's life. So he had the soldiers go down and collect Paul and take him into the barracks. He was afraid that Paul was about to be torn to pieces in verse 10. And during the following night, Luke says that the Lord stood by Paul. Here the Lord is very clearly Jesus, as becomes clear in the words that he speaks to Paul. Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Jesus was encouraging Paul to continue to faithfully testify to him. I think this shows powerfully that Paul was not outside of God's will here in going to Jerusalem, but was being used by Christ for his purposes. And over the next several sessions, we'll see how his imprisonment is actually going to be used for God's glory. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu.